Welcome back to season two. We are so grateful for your continued support and for those new to the podcast. We look forward to sharing our getting dirty and growing strong stories with you. Where the Lotus Grows is an entirely listener-supported show. Supporting us is also designed to support you through keeping the growth flowing and also through rewards like guided meditations, personal affirmations, and extended behind-the-scenes content of our adventures in podcasting. Hop over and visit patreon.com backslash where the lotus grows and become a supporting member of the Creatitarian community. Creatitarians, getting dirty and growing strong. Welcome back, Creatitarians. Kim, what are we going to talk about today? Is your life designed for you? I certainly hope so. It's kind of a heavy, heavy loaded question. A little bit. <laughs> and just like typical Kim thing, when we talk about something heavy, we're going to start off with a quote. I love it. <laughs> uh, in mindfulness setting, storytelling helps people connect with their intuition. Speaking truth helps separate our conditioning from our intuitive wisdom by Rhonda Dawn. So uh, we're waiting and hoping for this perfect opportunity. And um, we're thinking that when that happens, right, life will be great. But it won't get you any closer to the life that you want. Right? If we're, it's kind of like that book that you always want to write, right? But if, oh, if I get to here, then I could write it. It's postponing happiness. Yes, Maybe I'll be happy when, when I right? do that thing. So how do you build a life that works for you? Um, I thought this article was kind of interesting. They, um, there were some renegade designers, Dave at Evans and Bill Burnett. And um, they had talked about, um, I think it's a pretty good approach to the question kind of their, their idea. And it's all started in Stanford. They were design students. And one student brought up that they didn't have any other place to have kind of a creative, organic conversation. And we've all dabbled in self-help workshops, um, reading Proust, Brene Brown, you know. <laughs> and please tell me I'm not alone, Tanya. You're, you're not. I'm with you. My mom was a big self-help junkie. So um, I kind of grew up with Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer. Um, And then my 11th grade psych teacher made us read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. It's still one of my favorites. Um, So I've been hooked since I was really young. So you are not alone in the idea of that. And I looked up um, these two dudes, Dave and Bill, and that, that question of, you know, how do you, using design, like the theories of design to build your life. I found it to be really, really interesting. So if you think about it, it even ties into yoga philosophy. Patanjali is like um, one of the first self-help gurus, right? He literally wrote the Yoga Sutras, which is like a field guide for how to live your best life. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) So Evans and Burnett's approach is practical with a blend of mindfulness, self-compassion, and creativity. And I love it when Evan says, I'm not trying to get you to do anything. I'm trying to build ideas and tools that give you access to you. And I think that's a big aha. 
So now you see how designers think it's about building your way forward by creating ideas and testing them in real world experiences as if you're sneaking up on your future goals. And Burnett says, life is not a problem to be solved. It's an adventure to be engaged in. I really like that. The The concepts in the book, or in their work, I guess, has made an impact on you. I, I haven't read all of their work, but I, I stumbled across a couple of their blog posts in looking at this. And I find it really exciting, um, just the idea of designing your life and when you think about it from a design standpoint like um, not just thinking about what your goals are but a designer is going to look at something and be like okay where's the functionality here (laughs) you know where does this um not only is it aesthetically pleasing maybe you know there there are those are the goals those are the aesthetically pleasing things the things that you want to look nice but also where's the functionality and what you know, how is, how is this going to work? Kind of like, um, um, I don't know why this comes to mind, but like Ikea furniture, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's aesthetically pleasing, but really there's a functionality behind it. And then an ease in maybe not putting it together, but an ease of use. Well, I think too, their philosophies kind of go back to our failure episode, which I believe was episode 12. You know, mm-hmm. when we, we were talking about, um, I think you were talking about Edison, right? He failed so many times and there were so many patents that he had, but the product never came to fruition, but yet he had designed, you know, electricity for us, for example. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's some parallels there. And for most of us, passion is kind of the end product. You discover your passion by working hard on something, but does this philosophy hold true for, um, those that are stuck kind of um, stifling through the mid-career job or someone who has had the big job in their industry and was searching for creative ways to find fulfillment to the next phase of life. Or perhaps it's time to reframe an old age question, what do you want to do when you grow up? And um, to kind of put that into a more modern question, what do you want to grow into next? Mm -hmm. Um, And this will also help debunk a limiting belief that once you find your true passion, everything will magically fall into place. Right. No, I I like that a lot. And as someone who has shifted, um, maybe midstream to some other things, but also watched people that I love, you know, my mom really embraced that. What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, over and over in her life. And I've watched her do that. And I've watched her literally say that. And so when I was a kid, um, she worked at a bank and she went to school and, you know, went to college while I was young. She went to night school and like got a degree in accounting and then kind of like achieved that goal and was there in the bank and then was like, you know, that's, that's not really what I want to do. <laughs> and then it went from there into teaching and instructing and then um, seeing her be like, oh, no, you know, her passion kind of shift. And we actually graduated um, with bachelor's and psychology degrees at the same time. So that was kind of a cool thing to go through with her. Um But to see her just continue to ask herself that question and to not be ashamed of being in her 50s and being like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Because essentially in her head, she shifted it into that question that you just stated. What do you want to grow into next? 
And I've just kind of continued to watch her do and grow and be many, many things. And I think it's just um, really, it's been inspiring. Well, I think it's freeing if we can take that question, what do you want to grow into next? Because we, we ask people, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we expect them to have that figured out and done before their brain's done being developed. Right. And then you're supposed to be committed to that for the rest of your life. It doesn't seem, you know, realistic. I think some people, like, I think it's the exception, not the rule of the kid who knew, you know, at three that he was going to be a doctor or knew that he was going to be an actor or like whatever the, the creative pursuit or field of interest is. I feel like that's the exception is the one that's like, oh, I know, I know what I want to do. Um, I think the rule is you have to try it out. Try before you buy. <laughs> I'm kind of yeah. you know, what's out there before you determine whether or not you're going to, you know, what path you're going to follow. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then also, you know, some paths, not all paths lead to the same place. So starting out for myself, for example, starting out as a psychology student, I had no idea that I would end up with a master's in yoga therapy and not psychotherapy. And it's just because of the path and the way that it took me. So I, I like that. Um, and we've really, we've both discussed this before and thinking about that question and taking an honest evaluation of where your life is going can really be a daunting task. And I think some people would rather just stick their head in the sand and continue doing what they're doing. And that's, that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. To have those blinders. Mm -hmm. Well, I think another limiting belief is that if I haven't figured out my life by a certain point in time, I'm too late to do anything. And I think your mom was a good example for, you know, just growing into her fifties in a different way. So making it up as you go along is really the only thing that any of us, you know, has available to us. And you just want to get uh, really good at what you're doing, right? The, the design's a simple thought, um, is a way to build a prototype. And they, they call it kind of the odyssey planning. And it's involved in imaging like three dream scenarios and drawing a timeline of how each would play out over the next five years. And one is based on what you're currently doing Another one could be based on um, what you're most likely to do. Um, and the third one could be, you know, if time and money were no object. And you and I were talking about um, education, like what would we do for our PhD and doctorate? And, you know, I even use the language, well, if money was no object, this is the path that I would take. But, um, and then you came from a more practical side of, Student well, hey. debt is real, y'all. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you know, I, I want to take a more direct path um, if money was no object to get me to my end game. Yeah, like what would get my foot in the door? And, not and you know, when you said that, it made me think about, oh, yeah, but if I had the opportunity to, you know, go to India and study something or that kind of thing. So I, I feel like that's there too. You said something that kind of made me giggle a little bit, but the, the harshest um, reality of becoming an adult, and now that I'm 40, I feel like I can say I'm an adult. Um, you said making up, making it up as you go along is really the only thing that's available to us. And that is the harsh reality um, finding out when you're in your 20s. Um, 
and may, perhaps in your 30s too, that that's what adulting is, <laughs> is making it up as you go along. And you're like, oh, no, nobody's really got this figured out fully ever, <laughs> do they? So I think that that's um, an interesting piece. I continually write in my planner when I start a new week. This has been a kind of a practice for me. Does this support the life that I'm trying to create? And I write that just to remind myself that, um, I mean, of course, there's going to be mundane tasks there that I don't want to do, especially since I'm a caretaker for so many people. So, um, you know, taking my dad to the foot doctor does not support um, the life that I'm trying to create. And yet at the same time, in a roundabout way that it does, you know, if he's healthy and happy, then I'm healthy and happy. And so I can find the the silver lining <laughs> to that task when I ask myself, um, does, does this support the life that I'm trying to create? It helps me to think about my tasks and practices and, and I mean, really even the people that I bring into my life, you know, I think it's important that sometimes you have to say, well, does, does this really support what I'm trying to do? And sometimes people are not supportive of that and that's okay to just say okay well then maybe you're not a big player in my story and that's okay you can be a big player in somebody else's story yeah <laughs> absolutely well you know I think um I would like to see people further on the path um start to answer this question how does life design evolve as we get older mm -hmm. I don't think we talk enough about that and perhaps what we mean is, at what age do you notice that people don't care about their life anymore and they're just waiting to die? That is a bummer. Yeah. That's not where I thought you were going. Well, <laughs> I want to know how it, you know, because, you know, when you're young, they're like, these are the best times of your life. You know, you don't understand how easy it is. And I've had somebody in their mid-40s say, I just learned that life isn't going to get any easier. It's just going to get harder. And so I think if I look at my parents, um, you know, one parent has thought about death and where their life's gone and made some choices and is happy with what they've accomplished in life and has made peace with that part of their life that's going to happen. And that, that parent's turning 80, right? Mm -hmm. So it, we're at the, the last stages of life. Um, the other parent hasn't addressed it, doesn't want to talk about it. If I talk about it, it'll happen. It's going to happen to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we can talk about how life design evolves as we get older, um, you know, that's what Shavasana is about. Yeah, I no, I, I totally agree. And, and there are those folks that want to stick their head in the sand, I think, regardless of whether they've gotten older or not. Like, I think that that is just a like a trait that comes maybe anytime bad things or negative things kind of pop up. As you said, you know, that how does life design evolve as we get older? I really thought that you were going to say, at what age do you notice people stop giving a shit about what other people think and just do <laughs> their thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but to your point, it doesn't always happen. And there, there are people that just give up and succumb to, you know, that this is just, it is what it is, and, and they have no control over their own fate. I have a really good friend. I love her to death. She's very much just a, well, this is how it is. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way. You could change it. She's like, nope, <laughs> this is how it is. And um, I 
love her and, and embrace her. And that is her, um, her path. And you just, you know, have to accept that perhaps on the, on the wheel of karma that, that, that evolution is just, I don't know, less or greater than, or however, however you want to look at it, maybe they've got a couple more turns around, um, before they come back to come to some of the realizations that you or I have come to perhaps. Well, I too, you know, like they talk about toddlers, right? The kind of that terrible twos. And then that kind of repeats uh, as you're going through puberty, right? Mm-hmm. Only now there's like all these hormone things. And it kind of happens in midlife too because, again, our hormones are changing. No one talks about how you would design your life differently through those different stages. No, and it is interesting to think about maybe the growing pains um, and maybe the pushing. So when you said toddlers and teenagers and it made me it, – it really made me think about pushing boundaries. And so when you um, – shift into a, I have taken this as far as I could go where, you know what I mean? Like how, how do I push this? How do I change this? Um, and so I think, yeah, there, there definitely is an evolution there of you've hit different goals. So perhaps like later in life, maybe you hit the career goals or the college educational goals that you were going to hit. And where do I take that? Um, perhaps you had a family and, and, you know, your kids are grown. So then what do you do with the next chapter? Like there's, there's many different, um, iterations and yeah, I, I do think that design, if you're going to stop and, and contemplate it needs to change as you go through different phases of your life. And same thing as you get old, old, I don't like to think that 80 is that is like the end. I know that that's like life expectancy, but that's like that. Well, I, I mean, their longevity runs, and I think my dad could definitely make it to a hundred. But you know, it, it also it's the last third of life, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you have to accept that, and you know, because I'm knock on wood only halfway there. <laughs> there, there's the idea that um, that something will happen between now and then to make it longer but that's that's for a different conversation I do think that and hope that when that time comes that I have made that peace with everything else well I noticed my grandparents in their uh, mid-90s are really you know there's a different level of fear there and a different level of appreciation for the present of what's in them Mm -hmm. because you know they're they're looking at do I have 10 or less years and I don't know Mm -hmm. what that feels like um, and I don't know what that's going to be like for me, but I do find it interesting to watch and observe their behaviors. You know, everybody thinks their life matters and working on this with a lived life experience allows us to appreciate the restraints a lived reality includes. And it gives us permission or life expense, expe- experience to hold our odyssey plan with a little more looseness. So don't be scared to become a different version of yourself Are you reframing what you are asking of yourself in the most generative, uh, open-minded way possible? So similarly, way back when we did our New Year's little bonus episode, we kind of talked about not thinking about a decade ahead. And then with it being 2020, really having a shift to, oh, well, what does you know, the future, like 10 years from now look like to me. And there are certain things that you can 
be sure of, you know, or at least you can assume to be sure of that, you know, everyone in your life will be 10 years older. So for me, my children will be 10 years older than they are now. So they'll be almost adults and grown individuals and um, almost teenagers. And so thinking about, um, thinking about that and thinking about, oh, I could set goals and I could have a rigid sense of what I want it to look like, but instead just really being open to the idea of um, life changes and surprises happen and crazy things happen and reflecting back on the last 10 years certainly um, can show you that you don't know what's coming. <laughs> and so to just be, just be open to it. So I, I, I agree with you there. Well, just our take-home opinion is to think like a designer. And there are five steps to consider when you're designing your life. One is to be curious because curiosity makes everything new and it invites exploration. Two is to try stuff, create a prototype, fail often, fail better, and embrace the change. Three is to reframe the problems. Are you working on the wrong problem? So reframing is a good way to get unstuck because it allows you to step back and get a broader view. Four, to be mindful of the process. Letting go of your first good but not so good solution is often an important part of the process. You learn to be aware of the process and life is a journey. So let go of the end goal and focus on the progress. Five is to engage in radical collaboration. While great art is often um, kind of a solitary endeavor, great design is inevitably a team effort. So many of the best ideas are going to come from other people. You just need to ask questions. No life plan ever survives its first contact with reality. We all have at least one story in us, and when we've reframed a particular failure, um, we've changed our perspective and have seen how a failure can turn out to be the best thing that's ever happened to us. Mm, I really like that. As you were reading that off, I could see how this philosophy, I know that um, the design guys that we discussed in the beginning, forgive me for not knowing their names were then, Barnett and Adams. Thank you. Um, the the philosophy like i think they're applying it to you know like life thing big life things or career things but my thought as you were reading them off is that you could break those down into smaller things you could apply those five steps when you're writing or cooking or parenting like i could draw parallels to where these the five steps are helpful you know what i mean to to be curious and try and fail and reframe and be mindful and engage in collaboration works in just like cooking a meal. You could, you could apply those things and, and, you know, creating a dish. Um, I feel like that's just super helpful and, and practical advice. Um, to me, this is, this is applicable to yoga therapy as a career choice. So the steps are applicable for change um, and can be passed on to clients. Like I feel like these could be important tools to add to their toolbox. Um, and the practice of yoga therapy itself is a creative endeavor that requires curiosity, presence over perfection, reframing, mindfulness, and collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's uh, satya, the Sanskrit word for truth. 
and my walking in my authentic truth. Also, I think of the four desires according to the Vedas. Um, your soul has four distinct desires, which collectively are described in the tradition um, and for the purpose of, of your soul, right? So Dharma, the desire to become who you were meant to be. Artha, the desire for means such as money, security, health, what, whatever you need to fulfill your Dharma. Karma, the desire for longing, for pleasure, and any and all forms. And then moksha, the desire for spiritual realization, that ultimate freedom to be free from our burdens of the world. And these four desires are ever-present and always fluid. So I want to leave you with the affirmation this week. It was, I wake up today with strength in my heart and clarity in my mind. And Patreon members, your gift, if you head over, you can get a mapping um, printing out today and start designing the life uh, that works for you. Awesome. We'll catch you next time, Courageitarians. Thank you for being part of the Courageitarian community. We are so grateful for the reviews you've written, the member support, and all of the notes that you send us through social media. You can find the show notes at wherethelotusgrows.com. Our member platform is patreon.com, where the lotus grows. You can donate to the show and get rewards for your support. This is really the best way to keep the episodes rolling. Also, come hang out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you, and we'll see you back here next week. Remember, though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended as a treatment or diagnosis. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation.